That's a really deep question. <laughs> that weekend, like, we didn't sleep. Our eyes were burning. And we were like, okay, well, this is like a one-time thing. I ended up, like, sleeping in my family dog's bed. Matilda Jerf is a 25-year-old designer from a small town in Sweden with a three-year-young brand that just hit revenue of $35 million and rapidly growing with a high profit margin. And then in, um, last year we had 80 million. So eight? Yeah. I would call it. Yeah. And then year to date we're at... 250 million. Matilda didn't enjoy school, but started posting pictures during a trip while working at a juice bar and found an audience, especially in Australia and the US. For me, school was not my thing. Um, I had a lot of like difficulties with friends. Um, I had my little episode of being bullied. Um, so it was just, it was not a fun space. So I always wanted to just like graduate. And that's when I was like, okay, so I can either go back to my like job at a juice bar Or I'll try this out, see what happens. After she was casted in modeling shoots, she didn't like the way the photos were manipulated. So Matilda and her boyfriend Rasmus decided to start their own clothing brand. When I started doing the modeling jobs, I was just like so shocked. We're clipping in clothes, we're editing photos. Like this brand edited me like three sizes smaller. And another brand, you know, they would like shoot my size on me. And then they would clip in the clothes So it looked perfect. And then on the website, you couldn't see that. And you were like literally like fooling the customers. We break down the business of Jerf Avenue, Matilda's best tips in transitioning from creator to multi-million dollar entrepreneur and running a business with your partner. We were so naive. Like, and I think, thank God we were naive. I think if we knew how much work it would be, I think we would have been scared off. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good as well. It's great to be here in the Jerf Avenue office. Yeah. Very, very nice. I feel like a lot has happened since you were here the last time. A lot has happened and time flies. I think I that know. was like five, four months ago. That's uh, wild. But it didn't even look like, I think, don't even think the couch was unpacked. No, I don't think it was either. We got it really late. Yeah. yeah. You didn't have a showroom and now it's like no. way more people, I feel. Yeah, as well. I think we're like double the amount of people from when you were here. Wow. How many are there now? I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> and I need no. to know this. Um, I think we're like 20-ish. 20-ish. Yeah. yeah. In Sweden. And then we have a team of six in New York. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, by the way, like, just let me start off with saying that like, how impressed I am with what you've done. I think it's, I think it's so cool. Um, and it's completely unique. Um, you, like me, are from Sweden, um, and uh, you're from a small town, yeah. uh, kind of like me as well. Where are you um, from? I'm from Småland, and oh. actually not from really from a town, but like in the, in the wilderness. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, from the forest. Oh, well, I'm from Borås, and I feel like that's a small town. Yeah. But I feel like maybe <laughs> it's you won smaller. that one. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you you obviously have a, a very big following, um, and uh, coming from Sweden, that's not really an easy thing. Like, there are a lot of, you know, creators from Sweden, but you, uh, especially in the US, right? Yeah. Like, that's... Uh, Yeah, U.S. is my biggest, yeah. like, percentage-wise. I have the most followers from the U.S. Yeah. And I think I can see that, like, in your channels, it's really you. Like, yeah. your personality really shines through. Um, and yesterday I saw there was, like, some fan art creation. Yes. Like, crazy so skills talented. from people. Like Insane. How do they do that? I have no idea. I'm so impressed. Yeah. Like, whenever I get tagged and stuff like that, I'm just like, wow. Somebody's been sitting with a brush and actually doing Yeah. 
We had a girl who did, who painted Rufus, my dog. Um, Who's somewhere here. Chilling. He's sleeping behind me. He'll probably be Mm -hmm. here. Um, And she, it was such a like cool, like it was a cartoon kind of vibe thing. So we're actually printing that on a t-shirt. So Mm. she just like tagged us and then we hired her and it's really cool. Really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. And also I've seen like, you know, there are a lot of videos about like outfit recreations and like, yeah, Yeah, that's wild. And, it is wild and like super high engagements so yeah. how did that start like what was your first you know idea or piece of content that came about for this well i think like the first time i traveled to the caribbean with my boyfriend who is now the ceo of jerf avenue um we traveled to shout the caribbean. out to raz yes shout out Amazing to rasmus Raz. yes and it's not rufus it's rasmus everybody gets those two mixed up um so we just traveled and I started a blog for my family and friends and we like shot bikini looks and just kind of like, yeah, just posted it. Um, and I got 3000 followers and I was like, whoa, like on Instagram. Yes. And I was just like, this is major. This is insane. Cause back then I feel like it was like 2016, mm-hmm. 3000 were a lot. I yeah. mean, nowadays it's like easier maybe to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kept on traveling and then eventually I hit a hundred thousand and that's when I was like, whoa. Eventually, like, was that? I think it was like maybe a year from when we were in the Caribbean and then we were in Australia. Yeah, it was a year between. And it just kind of like, I never planned on working with Instagram, but I've always loved fashion. I've always loved photography. I had a blog when I was younger and I joined this like photography challenge that I won. Mm. It was a Twilight themed challenge and I won uh, like uh, those kind of like things that reflect light. Yeah. I should know what it's called. Uh, dream catcher? No. <laughs> like camera. Reflect oh. <laughs> I think we have one of those here. Yeah. But I'm not sure. <laughs> not a dream catcher. <laughs> okay. um, so like, I've always loved photography. I've always loved being creative. Um, and I've never really liked having a boss over me. So I kind of feel like I manifested it in some way. But back then I didn't know what manifesting was. So I probably didn't. But yeah. How many cameras did you bring on that trip? Just one. Just one? Yeah. Just one little Film. like, no, it was like a digital, like just like a random camera. Mm-hmm. And then in Australia, I brought two, a digital and a film. So Australia and the Caribbean. Yeah. Oh. So we traveled to the Caribbean first. Then we went back to Sweden. Then we went to Bali and Australia for six months. Mm-hmm. And then we went back to Sweden again. And that's when I was like, okay, so I can either go back to my like job at a juice bar or I'll try this out, see what happens. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, I'll just get a new job. And those, like, first picture, was that on the beach or was it yeah. during the traveling? Like, it was during the traveling. So it was, like, bikini photos. So obviously, like, when I went back to Sweden, I was like, is anybody going to want to see my, like, outfit photos? Is this going to be popular? Will people enjoy it? Um, and thankfully, they did. So it worked out. But I was honestly very nervous because I felt like the following that I had gained was from, like, traveling and then moving back to Buruas, <laughs> which is a really small town. In uh, January. Yeah, it's yeah. not inspiring. <laughs> so... And if we rewind there, you know, the tape a bit. You're yeah. from Boros. Yeah. Which is how many people? Like, I'm, I should know that. <laughs> I have no clue. I actually looked this up. Oh, I think did. it's about 70,000, 80,000. Yeah. That so, could be right. But it's crazy. Like, there, it seems to be a place that just has something in the water. Yeah. For breeding entrepreneurs building like billion yeah. dollar companies. Yeah. It's mm. weird because I, I think like growing up, I never mm. really thought about Buros that way but like now that I'm in it I see that there's so many creative entrepreneurs from Buros mm. but I guess because it is like way back when it was a fashion like a textile um 
city mm. village <laughs> i don't know what you <laughs> want to call it so i guess that plays into it probably yeah because there are a lot of a lot, lot of brands yeah, and a lot of yeah through. yeah it's uh it's really cool and like so you grew up there yeah. in Boros. Yeah, I lived there my entire life, except for the two and a half years that I lived in Monterey, California. Mm. Um, so that's that was like 2006 to 2008. When you were in the U.S.? Yeah, so elementary school in the U.S. Two and a half years? Yes. Oh, that's why your English is so good. Yes. Oh, got it. When I moved there, I didn't know how to say any, like I didn't know how to speak English. And my mom could be with me for 20 minutes the first day of school. So I just like bawled my eyes out. I cried it was awful, but then it, I think it took me like two weeks and I started like getting the basics down. Because when you're at that age, you just like pick it up so quickly. 2006. So how yeah. old were you then? That's also a good question. <laughs> I think it was like, I think like eight to 11, nine to 12, yeah. somewhere there. Why did you move to the US? My dad was in the military. So oh. he's been in the military up until 2012. The Swedish military? Yeah. Okay. So there's a school called Naval Postgraduate School there that he worked at. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he brought the whole family he for did. three years yeah. and then you came back to Sweden. Yeah. Came back to Sweden, went to high school and then after high school. And I think also like being in the US living there, even though it was just two years, it really opened my eyes mm-hmm. and it was very like coming back to Bruce. I felt like this is too small for me. I don't see myself living here. So I think ever since then, I'm, I've known that I want to get out of here. Well, what's your relationship to the US? I mean, I love it. Um, and it's probably a, I mean, like every country, it has its, you know, ups and downs and, you know, perks and um, negatives, but I do enjoy it a lot. And uh, what was your, what was your upbringing like? Like, what was it to go to school in Sweden and I, in the US? For me, school was not my thing. Um, I had a lot of like difficulties with friends. Um, I had my little episode of being bullied. Um, so it was just, it was not a fun space. So I always wanted to just like graduate. I always just wanted to get out of school. Um, but I mean, I'm, I come from a very safe family um, and a very good like household. But just school was not for me at all. So I was very happy when I graduated. Mm. Very happy. Do you think those challenges in your early days had something to do with, you know, the success that would happen later in life? Have you ever thought about that? I have, and I think that partly yes, because um, it did make me really strong in myself, and I've always known that, like, I've always known what I want to do. I've always known my values, like, my self-worth, and I think that has really pushed me to, like, even dare to, like, start my own business and dare to go my own way, because coming from a small town, you know, as soon as you do something that kind of stands out, there will always be that small town energy. Mm. And um, when you go to the U.S., for instance, and really coming out of your comfort zone, yeah. especially at an early age, I think you really you really open up your definitely your world, kind of to, yeah. to think in new ways and, and getting new perspectives. Was it like that for you? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I was so young, so some people will be like, "What do you mean? Like, you can't have had that like eye opening experience?" Because you were nine. Yeah. yeah, but I think it's like I'm such an old soul in general, so I think it really did do something to me, and it just like you know made our family so tight. It really showed me that you know, even if it does get a bit uncomfortable and you try new things that are a bit scary, like it does work out. Um, so I think it has really you know like taught me a lot of things. Mm. Kind of like this show, like uh, it's a very scrappy. <laughs> way we're doing it i don't know if you're seeing the books here but i i love it uh we uh, it's very heavy on my stomach yeah. <laughs> just blink twice <laughs> if you need to escape <laughs> yeah. your shift from the juice bar to 
to social media happened yeah. while you were traveling. Yeah. Um, and then you came back and then you, was it kind of like crossroad there to like yeah. try it out? Yeah, it was definitely like a mm, cliche, but like make it or break it moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can try this out. I know that I don't like having like a boss over me. And I felt like I never really enjoyed that because I would, al- I would always come up with these solutions, but all of my bosses would be very traditional and I didn't like that. Um, so I think it was just like, let's try it out. The worst thing that could happen is that it doesn't work out. And then I go back to working at a juice bar or selling fish like I did previously to the juice bar. Um, selling what? Fish. To the juice bar? No, <laughs> no, that was the job I had before. <laughs> I sold fish in like supermarkets. Like okay. I filleted the fish. Oh, in the like. Like Ikemaxi. Yeah. Yeah. And like the fish. The fish. Pounder. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I hung out during oh. my high school years. I've always wondered about that. Is it's like a, a lot to learn before you actually? It is. Because le- I don't know how to, what do you say? Like Filet the fish. Filet the fish. I yeah. know. And the thing is, when I had the interview, she obviously asked me, oh, like, do you like fish? You know, what's your relationship <laughs> with fish? Key question. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, my dad has always, you know, he's always loved fishing. Like I've gone out with him at our summer house. And then literally 10 minutes before my first day at the job, I YouTubed how to fillet a fish. I think it was like a mackerel. What's that? Yeah, mackerel. A mackerel, yeah. How to fillet a mackerel. And the first thing I had to do was fillet a mackerel. And I did because I had YouTubed it. So I knew how to do it. And the guy there, he was so impressed. He told me, <laughs> you're the first like new employee to ever like to know how to do this. Yes. Wow. Thank you, YouTube. <laughs> I heard on the spot. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, so that was the crossroads. And then you... So was that like trying it out full time then already from the beginning kind of? Yeah. Well, when I traveled and I posted photos, Mm. um, I kind of took like brand partnerships and I did some modeling jobs just to be able to like fund the trip. Mm. Um, So when I came back to Sweden, it felt more like a full time job. Um, But it wasn't until like 2018 that it felt like a real full time job. Before that, it was more like I took some jobs. I could cover my rent, but also like rent in Burwas is not that high. So I made it, like, it worked, but it's not until, like, 2018 that it felt like, oh, this is actually a real job. Like, I can invoice brands. Like, I had my own, like, you know, company and stuff like that. Mm. Like, social media influencer mm. company. How did you know what to do to grow? And It's, I've, this will probably sound a little cliche, but I've never really cared about the numbers on my channels. Like, I've done it out of pure passion because I do love it. Um, and it's a way for me to connect with other people, which I've always enjoyed. Um, so I didn't really care about like the analytics or numbers of it, but it was more so learning, you know, how to build a relationship with brands, um, how to make the content perform well when it is brand partnerships. Because you, if you get hired by a brand, obviously you want to live up to the money you're getting paid and, you know, what they're giving to you. Um, so I think it was more that kind of learning thing and also, you know, like invoicing um, and all of that. But as for, like, how to grow, I've never really given much thought to it. I've just kind of done my own thing and seen if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then that person probably shouldn't follow me. Mm. And did, you have, did you do, in like, mistakes there in the beginning when you got, got started? And I guess, the, like, it's such a new world compared yeah. to, you know, going to school or yeah. having a traditional job. I mean, I feel like the mistakes would probably be taking on jobs for free. Like nowadays, I feel like it's so good because brands are paying like micro influencers. Like when I started, it's not even that many years ago, like you weren't getting paid, which is crazy because you're giving so much to the brand. You're giving them sales, you're giving them exposure and you're just not getting paid for it. I wish I would have known my worth and I wish I would have, you know, 
And it's, it's still like that, right? Like it's still very... It is uh, like that still. It's getting better, but there is still that. <laughs> it's actually, um, I know a company um, and one of my friends invested in it. It's, it's called FYPM. It's FY Pay Me. Uh, and it's uh, started by an influencer who was really sick and tired of not getting but getting paid in like products and uh you know because it's like any other media really yeah so why you know it's more of a cultural thing that you think i think so exactly and because it is such a new business and a new industry like i think that people just i would like to think that people just didn't really know what to pay or like the worth or anything but i mean at the end of the day it is still a job and it should be taken Mm. so seriously and I mean, all of these like micro influencers, no matter the amount of followers, you expose the brand to a lot of people. And I always say, like, even if you only have like 500 people, you're still an influencer because you're influencing those 500 people that follow you. Mm-hmm. And for you, it's been, I mean, compared to many others, um, I guess, especially in Europe, yeah. um, you've had an, a very international audience. Is that primarily the US or what does it look like? I think it's like, when I started out, it was a lot of Australians, and I would say that's because I was in Australia when I started posting. So it took some but why, time. Why would they? How would I, they know? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess maybe in Australia because I was working with like Australian brands. Okay, oh, makes sense. Um, but so many people thought I was Australian. It took uh-huh. them like I think. It, I mean, it was like a long time that people thought I was Australian. Um, but now it's like U.S., um, U.K. I think like France. I think Australia is still like up there. But it is, I think Sweden is like maybe number four on my like, you know, top five list on Instagram. And is that because of uh, like working with brands from those countries? I wish I had a good answer because I don't really know why either. A lot of people ask me this. Why do you have so many, you know, followers from the US if you're from Sweden? Um, And I don't really know. I guess, well, partly because I speak English on my channels. A lot of Swedish You've always done that? I've always Always. done that. Okay, I think that's because when I traveled, I met new people and they didn't understand Swedish. So I wanted to, you know, update my friends in English so they understood. In your personal life, have you been like very involved in like the influencer, you know, clique or social media like that? Or, no, or have you? It hasn't really, I don't know. I've never really felt drawn to it. Yeah. I liked being outside of it. Yeah. And um, I feel like well, you are more in the crowds than I am. <laughs> really? <laughs> but you're a social Maybe. butterfly. <laughs> I'm a shy <laughs> introverted butterfly i think really i always say like i don't get if, that feeling if i'm in a safe space yeah. so now i feel safe then i'm an extrovert like then i'm like an open book but if i'm like a big party or something where i don't know anyone and it's very like clicky that's when i get a little mm. shy mm. yeah <laughs> on your channels you've spoken out about your eating disorder yeah um why is that and how how did you think before doing that? i guess that was like a decision you made yeah well, I think sometime when I did start gaining like a following, I realized that what I'm saying, what I'm putting out is actually being heard by tons of people. And I'm actually like, I can reach out to even one person. So I've always said that if me speaking about difficulties that I've gone through helps one person, I think it's worth it. Um, and I also think that when I had my eating disorder, I only had Tumblr that's when Tumblr was really huge. Yeah. Um, and it was so toxic. And I wish yeah. that I had somebody to look up to and somebody to connect with that it had was, gone through the same so thing. It was so unregulated. Like, it's like, insane. Yeah, it's I like mean, there were no adults on no, that platform. It was wild. I don't know how they even kept it going for that many years. Yeah. Like, insane. That's the good thing about Instagram. I will say that they do have some sort of, like, regulations and they can, you know, 
take your counts down if it's super triggering and stuff, but mm. it's still not good. But mm. Tumblr was wild. And do you think, would that have helped you back then if you would see somebody, you know, talking about it? I think so. I think so. I always kind of feel like I want to be the person that I needed when I went through my eating disorder. That's kind of why I've spoken about it. And also because it is a thing that so many people go through, but you feel so alone when you're in it. Mm. So I just kind of want it to be a safe space for Mm. people. Where do you think the social media game is heading now? There's been so much happening, I feel, especially in the last year, complaints about Instagram turning into new TikTok. Yeah. You know, I saw... Like, you know, Kylie Jenner was was giving them yeah. fire for it, you know, yeah. trying to be something else. And like, it's been a big revolt. What do you, who's been in this like a lot, especially the last six, seven years, what do you, where do you see this heading? Do you, do you think it's like, is the app dying? Are there others coming up or how are um, you thinking about it? Honestly, maybe I am naive to say that I think Instagram is here to stay. Cause I mean, we've had big changes. Like when stories was introduced, people are like, what is this? Like, don't yeah. be a new snapshot. And then it worked out. Um, I will say, though, I do think it's sad because I myself love photos. I love videos as well, but I love photos. And I feel like I get more inspired looking at photos. I wish that, you know, the Instagram feed wasn't filled with reels. Um, And I also think that a platform doesn't need to have everything because people, they they want it to be simple. Me and my friend were discussing about this, and we said that Instagram is a place for everybody. Like, it's so easy for just, like, a normal person to upload. While TikTok, like, you... Even if it's easy, you still need knowledge within like videos and editing. Like it is hard for the normal person. Like I don't see my mom posting a video on TikTok Mm, because it requires so much. But on Instagram, it's so easy. So I feel like I don't think Instagram is dying out. I just think we need to get used to the new way that Instagram is and kind of like embrace it. Um, But I just think in general, people love the realness and the rawness. And I think that's what will be like becoming more and more popular. Which one? Like the TikTok? No, just like in general, like being more like authentic and being more scaled back. Um, so like not a specific platform, just the way of like producing material. I feel like mm. the overproduced material, like it doesn't do much anymore. Mm. I really think that pe- we're, everybody's getting so much better at just like posting in the, like in the moment, but it can get even better. Mm. I feel like the rawness is what the world likes right now. Yeah. Everybody's becoming creator. Even my dad yes. uh, has an Instagram account that I found out. Really? <laughs> you didn't know he had it? No, he, he said like, yeah, I followed you. I was like, okay. <laughs> what does he do on his Instagram <laughs> yeah. account? Just, yeah. just photos of him living his life? No, just following me and my sister. Oh. Yeah. Oh, How old is he? Uh, he's turning 70. Oh. You made him sound really old. <laughs> 70 is not that <laughs> no, old. No, it's not. Uh, my uh, mom has like, I think she has like 20,000 followers on Instagram. 20,000? Yes. What is she doing? She, she's a like a social secretary a social worker she just loves photos she's always loved oh. fashion so she just like shares photos and people love it amazing she has pink hair oh i think that's cool. i think that's the secret yeah. she's so cool but that's what i mean i feel like everybody's a creator in some aspect and i think that's the fun part mm-hmm. yeah it really is it totally changes the world like everybody is able to put out something there i was and it's it creates such rabbit holes like the other day i was looking at one guy on youtube and he's it's huge on tiktok he calls himself the mink man and he has a, a mink. that scares me he has a mink that he like kind of uh brings to like they, they clean out um 
farms or whatever oh, from okay. rats. <laughs> so yeah. he brings his mink and then and dogs. And he records it. And he it. records everything and he's have millions of, you know, followers from, from doing that. I think oh, it's wow. like this weird, like, satisfaction thing that people are cleaning yeah. up pools. and With a mink. Yeah. <laughs> I need to watch that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but it, it basically means, like, you know, the people who understand this really well are the ones who are going to be, you know, not only the next big business leaders, but yeah. also, like, the president in 10 yeah. years, I think. Yeah. Um, so you did this for a few years and then you got to think about starting your own company. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, I did some like design collaborations with other brands. Um, I did it with two Australian brands and then one Swedish brand and doing that, especially with a Swedish brand, I felt like I brought so much to the table and I had so much insight that I felt like I was giving them so much and not really getting that much in return and also I wanted to decide where the items were produced but I couldn't like I wasn't allowed to I wanted to decide on what models to use you know how to shoot the photos retouching and stuff like that but I was just never allowed to um that in combination and they always sold out those collections um and then also I did some like modeling gigs and when I like when I started doing the modeling jobs I was just like so shocked I was like it's this actual world like we're clipping in clothes we're editing photos like this brand edited me like three sizes smaller and another brand you know they would like shoot my size on me and then they would clip in the clothes so it looked perfect and then on the website you couldn't see that and you were like literally like fooling the customers mm. and I just like I just questioned it. it was so crazy to me and I just thought but what you're showing online is not what the customer's getting when they're ordering the item um so that's when me and my boyfriend Rasmus we started talking and we said let's try it out and do it our own way and do it 100% right like the way we want to do it and we just did it with wow. no business plan or anything so <laughs> could have gone crazy but what was the first th first thing you did the first thing we knew was that we wanted to produce in Portugal but I think the first thing we did was like oddly enough like create a website we're like yeah. like we found a, this agency in our hometown to create the website um so that's the first thing we did before even like sampling clothes mm. we just created the website Why did you want to um, produce the clothes in Portugal? We wanted to produce it in Europe to keep it close to us. Like we can, you know, um, ship it with a truck. So the truck takes like a week. Um, so for that reason, not having to, you know, ship it by boat or airplane. Um, and then also for the craftsmanship, they're so good at what they do there. The quality is so amazing. Do we even, do we even produce clothes in Sweden anymore? You know, we've tried to find factories in Sweden. Um, a lot of the factories, it's very, very expensive. Yeah. And then... Like, it's so expensive that customers, at least from Forger Avenue, they wouldn't pay that price. Yeah. And then also, like, quantity-wise, a lot of factories in Sweden, they can't produce more than, you know, maybe, like, 100 or mm. something. Um, but we're trying to find a good factory in Sweden. There are some, but not many. No. It's like micro-batching almost. Yeah. Almost, so. Yeah. We've done a remade mm. project with a, with a kind of more like a studio in um, my hometown. So they like sue. So we had um, a production fault with our pants, and they made it into bags. Mm. But we're hoping that they can up the capacity so we can work more with them. It would be really fun. But the step from um, being in collabs with brands and uh, um, working together with a brand towards starting your own company is is in a way really is a really big step. Like you yeah. have the supply chain. Um, finance financing HR everything like uh, yeah 
Did you know? Did you? I no. mean, did, did you know that when you <laughs> no. just got started? No, I was. We were so naive. Like, and I think, thank God, we were naive. I think if we knew how much work it would be, I think we would have been scared off. Because there's so many things people don't talk about. You know, when running your own business, like there's so many aspects to it, so many layers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were very naive, no prior experience, but a lot of passion and a lot of will. So we made it work. Um, but no. Not so was it like the classic garage story where you're in the garage packing yourself? Yeah, well, we didn't have a garage, but we <laughs> found like these like empty locations, um, these like empty kind of like warehouse locations in Boros that we could rent for like a weekend. Um, so we just packed from there and then it sold out and then we put all of the boxes with like the kind of like the extra items that didn't sell in my mom and dad's apartment for months and it looked like it looked like awful for boxes everywhere in their apartment yeah so my old room was just like boxes everywhere and then because we we launched our first collection december 6th and like i would say like 80 percent, 90 percent of it sold out and then the rest of the items we put in my mom and dad's apartment and then we had like one or two orders a day so my mom and dad would pack it and then that's how we would go and then we had a restock and we would find a new location to rent for like three days and then we'll go back to mom and dad's apartment and then eventually we um, rented an office here in Stockholm and we had our like warehouse here in Stockholm, which was a very, very expensive warehouse to have in Stockholm. Yeah. But that's what we had to do. And um, okay, so when you got started, it was you and Raz. Yeah. Rasmus, aka. So when that happened, you you kind of set the designs yourself. Like how, how did you even, you know, know what to what to design? What was your your taste of it? What did you want to produce? Like how did you think about it? Well, I mean, I was really selfish. The first collection was just like out of a selfish idea because I wanted to produce items that I was missing in my closet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I did. And then we had my brother's girlfriend, Agnes, who was our very first hire. She's head of production here. We would bribe her with tea and like fika, like a cinnamon bun and be like, Agnes teaches everything about like production, sampling, like how does it work? So she would help us like at the, you know, like two hours like from five to seven after her work and help us figure it all out just so we kind of knew because I didn't even know what like a production sample meant like I didn't know what a size set was yeah. like I had no idea about anything so she kind of like guided us a little bit which was very very good so when you I guess you were flying down to Portugal then like meeting with these factories and like- well the crazy thing was in the beginning we just had like FaceTime calls because yeah. we were so the year that we started Jerf Avenue, I needed to be able to finance it. So I took every single modeling job I could just to be able to finance it. Um, so we were in Portugal when we found the factory that we wanted to work with. Oh, you were in Portugal then? Yeah, okay. but not in Porto. I was in Lisbon. But that's okay. when I had emailed them and I reached out to a lot of different factories and agencies, but nobody replied because they were like, who are you? Why <laughs> would we want to work with you? Um, but then this one agency that we still work with today replied. <laughs> which I'm very grateful for. They're the first ones to like really believe in our idea, which was really cool. When visiting a new country or city, I find that food is at the heart of almost all cultures. But finding the real gems can usually be a challenge, and it can be hard to know where to go for recommendations. A new benefit as an American Express Platinum member is their dining experience. And it's one with a lot of value if you like trying new restaurants like me. I'm a member in Sweden, which gets you a two-course dinner for two people three times per year at selected restaurants. And what I especially like is that it also gives me recommendations to try out new curated restaurants. And also when traveling, you get your money back on the restaurant bill up to a certain level per year. 
So if you want to read more about how the dining experience works, check out the Platinum Card in the description or on the American Express website. And specific dining terms and conditions apply. How did you know? I, I mean, when you're visiting a factory, for instance, and you never, I don't even, had you even been, even been in, a, in a textile like clothing factory before that? Like, no. How do you know what's I right? Had, what, what should you look at? I mean, honestly, I'm so grateful for Agnes, our head of production. Yeah. So like when we got our first sample, I obviously could only see from like a customer's point of view, but she could really look at like the detailing, like the stitching. And she would tell me like, Matilda, this is not good. This is good. So truly like the first collection, I owe so much to Agnes helping us out because otherwise it might not, the quality might not have been as good as it was. So, I mean, she's been everything in the beginning. That was really, really helpful. But then also like I've had so many clothes myself. So I kind of knew I knew when it felt right and when it felt wrong and like what kind of quality we needed, what kind of materials. So it worked out. Hmm. When you make clothes, you you do it in kind of like patterns, right? It's yeah. kind of like if you've never been in the process, it, it really looks weird. When yeah, you see pattern how making yeah. is wild. Thankfully, the agency, the first agency they worked with, they could help us do the pattern making. Because otherwise, you know, it's very common to hire a pattern maker um, in-house and we don't have that to date either. Um, so we, you know, that's kind of like we get other people to do it for us, which has been good. Maybe that's a higher in the future. And is that first collection, is that like the core collection? Yes, there are. Basically, I think it's only like two items from the first collection that are not in the core collection that we only did for the first launch. All of the other items are part of our core collection today, which I'm really, really proud of. So really good timing there. 6th of December, yeah. three weeks before uh, the holidays. Yeah, and, and then the world shut down. And then the world shut down. So yeah. this was in the end of 2019. Yeah. Wow. It's not been that long. No. Actually. And it's crazy. This is like our first year that we've had Jerf Avenue and it hasn't been the pandemic. Yeah. So, I mean, we've only ever really been active during the pandemic. So it's been, I feel like we're so used to all of the problems now because the pandemic really put a strain on like the entire supply chain. Yeah. So I feel like it could only get better, but this year is also crazy, you know, with everything going on in the world. So. Like delay, yeah, exactly. Delays yeah, increased prices, yeah. prices, um, and delays, and you know, it's it's wild. And um, it's been then a little over two years, well, two yeah. and a half years. Yeah, we're yeah. going into three years in December. And it's been wildly successful. Like in yeah. the first year, you had a revenue of right, like over two million dollars. Yes, around two million dollars. Right? Yeah, the f- yeah. well, yeah, well, the first year, it's because we launched in December. So it's always like that year, like 2019, it's like, does it count? But like 2020, we had, yeah, around me converting this in my head. (laughs) And then last year we had... It's gone up now. Yeah. But about one to ten. Yeah. And then um, last year we had, so if I say it in Swedish, maybe you can convert it for me. Yeah. 80 million. So eight. Yeah. I would call it. Yeah. And then year to date, we're at 250 million. Sick. Yeah. (laughs) Not dollars. Yes, sick. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we're a little over half, so yeah. you're crushing it. You're already going to double. Yeah, we have already doubled. Wow. And you quad- quadrupled the first year. Yeah. And this is like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're not in math <laughs> We're not working with math. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows where it's going to end? No, maybe I'm, I'm glad I'm not working with math. You're good at it. <laughs> I don't even know if I said that right. I know either, <laughs> <laughs> but it's crazy. And this is 
kind of bootstrap like you finance yeah. this yourself yeah that's unheard of it's yeah. crazy and it's profitable it's like a 30 person yeah profit margin yeah wow yeah do you think this is gonna be like you, like are you even thinking about the future like we're i mean we've been so like just head down like solving problems yeah. Yeah, you told me you've been day. here all summer. Like, yeah, I was I like, mean, how was your summer? I was like, what do you mean summer? <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it's we we haven't really ever had like a three-year plan. We're kind of like working on it now just to have something to, you know, look at and kind of like work towards. Um, but it's been very much just like problem solving and like being head on, being where we are right now. Um, but I mean, even in our wildest dream, we never thought we would be where we are today. Never. Wow. Crazy. I think, you know, one of the things that uh, many people I talk to and that I've also found myself is like the the prior in a lot of ways when you're growing is to hire yeah. people and especially the right people. Um, how do you make sure to find like, you know, the best people for the team? What do you what do you really look for? Well, even just like with hiring, we've always hired people when it's already like too late. Like we're already, you know, like understaffed um but we're always looking i always say like there's one kind of person who can work in a company like ours and in general in like startups you need to like to work and you need to be a problem solver and you need to like to take your own initiatives if you're a person that you know needs somebody to tell you this is what you should do every hour of the day it, you're not suitable to work here um and we always say that when we interview people because i always want to you know all cards on the table i don't want to like paint these false you know um dreams for people that oh it's so easy to work like working for a startup in a new company it is a lot of work and you need to like it I mean I love working here obviously and I feel like we're such a great team of people who really like have the same passion for the brand and who see the vision and who understand what we want to do with Jurf Avenue um so we always try to find that kind of person who likes to get down and dirty but who also you know has a lot of passion I always say that like passion is the best personality trait a person like mm. or a quality a person can have mm. and i think that's what makes people really successful like if yeah. you don't really love what you do you're gonna it's gonna be really tough exactly 100 percent. and you said so now we're in stockholm now we're in the if i didn't say that before by the way we're in the yeah really cool Jurf avenue office here yeah um and there this is the hq yeah I'm not allowed to say HQ. Rasmus doesn't like it. He's like, well, Tolda. <laughs> My mom loves you saying Jurfabi say that HQ. Two offices, I guess. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Is it not, Ras? <laughs> Where's the other one? Like, you have other people working. Well, we have a team in New York, okay. but they don't have an office yet um, because the pandemic, they've enjoyed working. I mean, mm. we literally, we hired them this year um, and they've enjoyed working from home because it is, you know, a long commute for them. But we want to find at least like a co-working space so they can work together like a couple of days a week. And the U.S. is the biggest market? Yeah. That's cool. And is that also a big focus like going forward? Yes. No. So we're opening up our U.S. warehouse literally like next week if wow. everything goes as planned. Cool. It's been a little turbulent, but oh. I think we're it's clear skies now. So hopefully next week, which is really, really exciting. And you were in, I saw you were in LA yeah. this summer for, for pop-up our, yeah. and a collab. Yeah, our yeah. first ever pop-up. Ah, how did that go? Amazing. I was like beaming the entire weekend. It was the best. And it was so cool to see like customers like, oh my God, like Anastasia, that's you. Like I've seen you in our clothes for three years. Like I see you in person now. That's wild. I think you've seen, you've seen who? Anastasia, like one of our oh, customers. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> 
how did you like, see her for three years? Because she's tagged her photos. Oh, yes. And then course. I saw her in real life. And it's like, because it's cool. so crazy to see people that you like, I know their names. I've seen them in so many of our items. And then they're mm. like in front of me in real life. It's the, it's so rewarding. It's so special. I love the pop-up. Yeah. That was the best time. How long did you run for? Three days. Just the midsummer weekend. Okay. What have you learned so far? Like now it's it's been like two and a half years. What's been like one of the, you know, bigger learnings running a company from scratch to, you know, now it's 20 people, $8 million revenue, like, well, way more this year probably. Um, what, what are things that, you know, before you go to bed, like, wow, you know, I learned this and I shouldn't have done that. I think there's so many things that you learn, yeah. problem solving, and also how to like not take every single problem too seriously like you also have to have a perspective on it and kind of like you always want to solve it but don't get too caught up in it because it's so easy to get carried away with a problem mm. um and also like handling like employees handling a team when i started your avenue i never heard of people saying how challenging and how time consuming and also how rewarding it is to have a team of people working for your brand mm. what would you have said to uh to matilda the day she started your avenue <laughs> You have a wild ride in front of you. <laughs> You're going to work so much. I mean, that weekend, like, we didn't sleep. Our eyes were burning. And we were like, okay, well, this is, like, a one-time thing. I would have yeah. told her, no. This is a... You be, what week? The, the, the first, like, launch weekend. Oh, God. December 6th. That was a wild weekend. I ended up, like, sleeping in my family dog's bed. <laughs> dog's bed. It's not good. What was... Uh, were there any things that happened in those early days when you were going to start selling or? Well, I mean, we had a big error on our website the day we went live. So when customers entered their like address and stuff, a phone number wasn't like you didn't have to enter the phone number. It was optional. Yeah, which was a big mistake because when so DHL couldn't do like the labels didn't automatically go into DHL. So we had to write every single DHL label manually. So we had like, wow. we had team, like we've told our friends and family to come and help us pack. And we were all just waiting by the printer and the computer waiting for like one label to come out. That was honestly awful. That's like. Did you write your own phone number on every year or how did you? Or did you? I like, think we probably did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even want to. Maybe that's why all of our yeah, customers yeah, 2000 have Russell's phone DHL number. drivers <laughs> yeah. calling you. Yeah, it was crazy. That was a really, I mean, that was a really big mistake, but also like an honest mistake because we didn't have any prior experience at all so wow so you packed it all yourself and your yeah. family came there to help and, yeah, yeah we packed it all ourselves up until like october 2020 so it's like oh, a right. year okay and if you if you would zoom out and be a customer to jerf avenue um how like how do you see it different from where you yourself shop before well at least i hope that people feel that it's a really safe space to online shop because um, it is a little scary to shop clothing online, like with sizing. And, you know, you see one person modeling the clothes that doesn't look like you. And I really want your Avenue to be a safe space. I want our customers to feel seen and represented on the website. And that's always what we're working towards. And we're not 100% there yet, but we're we're on a good road to where we want to be. And um, And you're making drops as well. You have a... A pretty yeah so we have our core collection which is supposed to be in stock at all times we haven't succeeded with that we've been sold out of our like best sellers like our breezy shirt um our favorite pants our forever blazer a longer period of time which is a very i mean it's a good problem to have because they're selling but it's it would have been nice to 
you know, always have it in stock, which is our goal. Um, but then on top of that, we have more like exclusive drops of items. Some items we produce and we still produce small quantities, but, you know, some drops have more colors. Um, some are just like one piece. I think our biggest drop was like our dream drop, which had maybe I think it was like one dress in three colors and then one top in two colors. So it's we in, we've introduced more new styles this year than we have before, but a lot of new drops are also like existing styles in a new material or in a new color. And do you like a complicated answer? No, I think I get it. <laughs> do you involve the community in in uh, developing these new drops a lot, or how, yeah. how does that work? I mean, we try to. Um, we try to, you know, for a dream drop, we asked, you know, which color. Would, do you want us to bring out they got to vote or you know which color do you want us to bring back we've worked like that a lot of different times mm -hmm. and then I love posting little like easter eggs on my own channel like today I posted a photo of me wearing a sweatshirt that it's just a sample and then I kind of like see if people you know pick it up if they like it and then usually we go about like like this sweater for example a lot of people loved it then maybe we'll actually like put it into production do you think there's been a, a secret sauce behind the success so far I mean yeah. Is it cliche to say that it's passion and like authenticity? I think that's what people love about Jerf Avenue. That's at least what I'm really, really proud of, that we're so passionate and that everything we do, we do it with our customers in mind and everything is extremely genuine. Like mm. we never do anything just for the sake of doing it. And you have your customers as, as models? As yes. Well, right? yeah. yeah, since day one, we've only used our um, customers as models. I think it really shines through. Like I think yeah. it really, f you can really feel it. The first time we were talking, I, I can really feel it when you were, you know, we were discussing sustainability and yeah. and like, it's it's we were talking about that. It's it's you can't even start a brand today without having that in your like core yeah. part of the business, right? Exactly. So, yeah. And I also feel like if you start a brand 2022, you should also have representation as a core part of your business. Like no questions. Mm -hmm. For me, it's so important that our brand reflects what the world looks like. Um, and like I said, we're not there yet, but we're working towards it. Um, and I think that's just, it should just be given. Mm. And uh, so you started this together with uh, with Rasmus. Yeah. Um, what is it like to, to run a business with your life partner as well? It's really, really cool. I know everybody, I speak to so many people and everyone's like, how do you guys do it? Don't you get tired of each other? And I'm always like, working towards the same goal and like building something together like there there's something so magical and powerful about that that just like gives me like goosebumps um it's truly so good and nowadays like we're both so busy I barely ever see him like you can ask Rebecca in my right hand like I am like Rasmus where are you and he just like never has time to talk to me so nowadays it's pretty actually pretty easy and what are your roles in the company did you have Oh, they're divided. So Rasmus is the CEO. So he, you know, develops the business. He's so good with what he does. Like a part of the reason why Jerf Avenue is so profitable and why we're selling so much is because of him. Like he's such a big reason for that. And then I'm the creative. We usually call me Mama Jerf because I do literally everything. Like I'm part of the social media team. I help out with like the creative stuff on the website. Um, I design everything. Um, I take a lot of photos myself for our pages and our website. So I do a little bit of everything. But everything that has something with, like, the creative aspect to it, mm. that's where you'll find me. Rasmus is amazing. I saw he was yeah. uh, he was talking at an event yesterday with a friend of mine. Yeah. I mean, the, the oh, yeah. Of Kaya. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wasn't there. What? Yeah, you weren't? <laughs> no, that's a really bad girlfriend <laughs> and business partner. <laughs> you weren't there to cheer in the, in the audience? No. no. 
But he did uh, tell me that he didn't really care if I was there or not. Okay. So, what advice do you have to somebody who's considering doing exactly that? Like, you know, they're considering starting a business with their life partner. Um, it can be amazing, but yeah. do you have also advice on like do's and don'ts on the way? Well, I would say like so when we started it out and like with the influencer side of it, we didn't have clear roles. And that was really challenging. I think that if you have super clear roles within the business, it does make it a lot easier. And also like communicating with each other. And then most importantly, being able, we're not good at this. So, but being able to like turn the work off when you get home and be like, no, like no work here. Um, I think that's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Maybe in time it will get better with that. I hope yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and somebody asked me, you have to you have to talk with Matilda about her hair and oh. the TikTok trends. <laughs> what, what tell me about this? I don't know. It's weird. So when I I mean, my hair has always been so for me, hair has always been really fun. It's a way for me to express myself. I've never really enjoyed makeup, so I've always been like styling my friends' hair and stuff. And then when I cut my curtain bangs back in like 2017, people started reposting my photos. It became like oh the bangs. And then like ever since then, it's kind of been. A point of subject. I don't really know why. And like, these, especially on TikTok, right? I know. It's like, like now it's a lot on TikTok. Before it was Pinterest, but now it's a lot on TikTok. And I don't <laughs> know why. And I'm so like, I blush and I'm so flattered, but it's like, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I've seen like people. I, I, was, I was just doing some research yesterday and I saw, um, you know, people are obsessed. They do like recreation yeah. tutorials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a cult. It is following. a yeah. very <laughs> sweet cult. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, and, uh, for other, you know, advice, uh, circling back to where we started kind of, um, what do you have to say to, you know, teenage Matilda or let's say 18 years old Matilda, um, not only in business, but like life in general, what are, what are some things that you wished you'd heard? It's a really deep question. <laughs> what would you? um say to yourself not to me when i was to to me um (laughs) i would have said you don't need all the answers oh i think that's a good one Mm -hmm. that's a good one and i think maybe like maybe a little bit the same and also like you'll find a time in your life where you feel like you belong because i feel like me growing up um in the teenage years i always felt like I never felt like I belonged. I always felt kind of like misplaced, like in high school and in like middle school, elementary school, like all the time. So I think maybe I would tell myself that like you will find your place mm. eventually. Mm. Life is long. Life is not only the teenage years. Exactly. It's be more happening. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's deep. Yeah, it is. But I think it's true. It is true. <laughs> and I don't think there is a thing such as a, a cliche. I don't think cliches exist. That's good, because I have a lot of cliches. What tips do you have to share to somebody who wants to succeed with their social media career today? I would say find your own voice. Like, what is it that... I feel like nowadays, like, you actually... You have to have a purpose like what why do you do what you do I feel like back in the days you could just like post photos when you were traveling like heavily edited photos um I think that nowadays people want the authenticity and the genuine side of you and if you don't show that I think in the long run it's not going to be it's not going to be a channel that will grow because I think that people are very tired of the fakeness that social media once was finding your own voice i think so and then being always being genuine like (laughs) do what you love 
And if you do what you love, it's going to be fun. If you don't love what you do, it's not going to be fun and you're not going to want to do it. Um, and I think that if you're always like tuning into yourself and you're doing it because you want to, that's the most important thing. Because there will always be people to tell you, oh, do this to grow or do this. You like work with these brands, like make sure it feels good in your gut. Like always follow your gut. Cliche. Wise words. <laughs> Not a cliche. No. I'm going to I'm gonna run with that. There's no cliches There's no in the cliches. world. No, no, no. I no. don't think that word even exists. I don't think so either. If we look it up in the dictionary, it's not going to be there. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> I love, you know, I love personal development. I love learning from, from people like smart things that I've never really, you know, thought about myself sometimes. But do you have like a, a life hack? Do you have like things in your everyday that are just, you know, that are, you know, making life a little bit better? It can be anything. I don't know. That's you're putting me on the spot, Rasmus. <laughs> I do. <laughs> do I? Tell me one of yours, so maybe I'll get. Um, mine. I think actually, like traveling for me is a life hack. Oh. Because when I'm put in new environments, yeah. I'm thinking differently. That's true. Yeah. And I just realized the life hack. If that's the vibe, yeah. Walking to and from work as much as I can. That's a life hack for me because that's a moment where I get to just like disconnect. I get fresh air. I get to also like I see different people like that inspires me. And I also like like it's just a time for me to enjoy the fresh air, the stillness and also walking to work when the city's asleep. We usually oh. like being at the office at seven. So then we'll walk You're at, at the office at seven and as much as I can. To the office. Yeah, it takes like 30 minutes. So I walk from home at like 630. When do you go up and wake up in the morning? Like five. That's a life hack. Yeah. I'm a morning person. Okay, yeah. Wow. Being a morning a. person is a life hack. <laughs> it's amazing. I First of all, I love being awake when the city's asleep. Do you get enough sleep? Yes. I think so. I, I hope so. You take a siesta? <laughs> no, I wish. Oh my God. Imagine me just sleeping <laughs> on the couch a little bit. I have done that a couple of times. So I've closed the doors to my office. No, we were 20 people. <laughs> Okay, okay. In your office, not here. Not in here, in my office. But no, being, waking up in the morning, like me time, that's essential for me. 5 a.m., that's crazy. Yeah. But I love it. I wish I could do that. You just need to I've tried so many times. Really? I can't go to bed, uh, like, early enough in the night. Oh. Well, that is true. I feel like there is such a thing as, like, morning and night people. Rasmus is a night person. Hmm. That has always, like, messed up our schedule a little bit. Yeah. Um... Lastly, I think I think this is really interesting, and and somebody actually sent this in as a question. Um, what's your favorite song, and how does it make you feel? <laughs> Rebecca's just laughing at me. If it's a guilty pleasure, it's even better. I think. Well, the thing is, so the thing is, I have five different versions of me when it comes to music. I love country music. It's so it's I so interesting. It. There's so many people who love country music that I didn't know. I love it. My, for our wedding, I want Thomas Rhett to fly in and sing Die a Happy Man. If he doesn't, I'm not going to get married. <laughs> it's like that level. Um, but right now, my favorite song right now is Bad Bunny. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> like Ojitos, Lindos, something like that. I actually don't know it. Oh, my God. It's like. so good. <laughs> Whenever I put it on, I'm like, mm. it just like puts me in Is it Friday a vibe or what's the vibe? No, it's like a little chill, but still like a little Friday. It's like every single day of the week vibe. <laughs> It's that good. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And um, I want to learn Spanish right now. That's why I'm like only listening to Spanish music. Oh, okay. 
You should uh, maybe you should translate your um, all your YouTube videos, like all your videos you've done into yeah, Spanish. Spanish. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, because you already have the content, so you can exactly. dub it yourself. Because right now I'm like watching music videos in Spanish, but it's really like you know, like naughty words. So <laughs> like that's not the Spanish I want to learn. <laughs> so maybe that's better. Yeah, yeah. What's the best compliment you ever received? I think yesterday my sister told me that. I care so deeply for every every single person in the last shows, and I think that's like one of the best compliments. Mm. That's a very real one. Yeah, oh. I mean, I I don't really care about compliments for my appearance. Like, I'd rather hear, you know, "Wow, your heart is so big," or you know, "You mm. make me feel safe." Like mm. those kind of compliments have really like those have stuck with me. Who said that? Your sister? Yeah. How many Shout sisters? Out to Amanda. <laughs> Shout out Amanda. Amanda is my older sister, and then Adrian is my older brother. You're the youngest, like me. Yeah. Oh, okay. What's next from here now? What's uh, what's happening in, in Matilda's and, and Rasmus' life, lives, and Jeff Avenue's lives? I mean, we're ex- like we're still we're growing, which we're so excited about. Um, we're launching. You're excited about holiday too. <laughs> really <laughs> excited about holiday. I would love myself even just a weekend. Yeah. Um, but as like for Jeff Avenue, you know, we're growing. We're really excited. Our new website is launching. Um, our resell page is launching where our customers will be able to like resell oh. their Jerf Avenue items. That's cool. So um, they're kind of like selling it back to you and then you... Like, selling it to work? like customers. Like I, if customers. I have a blazer and I want to sell it, I can sell it to you on our Jerf Avenue resell. Um, so your own marketplace for yeah. customers. So it's like That's a cool. safe space for them to shop from each other. And so that prices like doesn't increase a lot. We've had some items from ours that people have posted on like Depop and stuff for... A crazy price that I do not stand behind. So mm. I wanted to give them that. Mm. Um, and then we're working on a new project, a new category that is really, really exciting. And that is something that I'm passionate about and something that a lot of people like. So can we get a sneak peek? I feel like we've talked about this subject <laughs> in the interview. So okay, if you're good Got at it. connecting Easter eggs, yeah. then connect the dots. Yeah. All right. Will we make a move to the U.S.? Part-time, I feel like, would be a thing. Full-time, no. I love I love Sweden. I love living here. Um, I love my office here. I love my team here. But I also want to take care of our U.S. team. So, Awesome. Guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to today's episode with Matilda yeah. Jörf, the best. Thank you for and having Matilda, me. Matilda, thanks for having me here in the, in the Jörf Avenue office. You're always welcome.